Welcome to the Colchester podcast, and I'm joined on this Colchester podcast by Roger Hurst, the Police, Fire and Crime Commissioner for Essex. Hello. Roger, I wanted to catch up with you to find out about your role and how it impacts on people living in Colchester and wider Essex. Now, when most people hear the words police commissioner, their mind goes to Gotham City or Batman and Commissioner Gordon. Now, the role of police, fire and crime commissioner is a relatively new role in the United Kingdom. People are going to be really interested to know, what does a commissioner actually do? Uh, thanks. It's a really good question. You're right. I, I get teased about that uh, occasionally as well. But uh, the, the, the role itself is that... Oh, actually, can we start again? I'm trying to think of how to make it shorter. <laughs> I have three points, and I just need to. I just need to cut out more and uh, and get straight to the point. So, we have three key responsibilities that we're not allowed to delegate. Uh, the the first of those is appointing the chief officer, the chief constable. Uh, so to make sure that we have the right person in the role, and uh, as well as appointing them, we have to and probably do scrutinize their performance um, and if it's not going well we have the power to to ask them to to leave as well which is uh, not a thing i ever want to have to do but it is part of the role the the second key piece is setting the strategy for the service across the county and that we do in conjunction with the chief officer with the chief constable and his team but it is on the back of our electoral mandate from the people. So it's our job to make sure that the strategic approach of the police is in line with what the public opinions are that we've gathered through our election process. And the third one is to set the budget and to set the council tax precept. So to make sure that we have proper funding in place for the police to deliver. Of course, the police remain completely operationally independent. Uh, it is the chief constable who is responsible for the exercise of the law and its enforcement across the county. My responsibility is for the efficiency and effectiveness of the force to make sure it's delivering value for money. That's a brilliant explainer. Thank you very much. I think I've learned quite a bit there about the police commissioner, <laughs> commissioner role. And I'm going to come on to talk about, about the strategy element and what some of the big policing issues facing Essex are. But you've touched on this a little bit and given us a clue. And I'm conscious we've got an election coming up very soon. But could you talk a little bit more about how you got the job and how long you've been in post? Yeah, so um, I, I was uh, first elected to this role uh, back in May 2016. Um, it's supposed to be a four-year term, but it got extended a year because of COVID-19. And the, the, the key bits really that I, that I put in front of residents then were particularly making Essex Police more locally visible and accessible and effective. Um, I think through the uh, time when we had real squeeze on public sector finance, uh, there's, a, there's a natural tendency for the police to swing towards doing response work and swing towards focusing on the serious crimes that they have to respond to. And that pulls them away from prevention work from local community engagement, from gathering local intelligence, from being in place to stop things happening. And I think you can sort of, that that, that works for a while because you, you can't really do a, do away with, with that key response work. But over time, it, it ends up being a vicious circle. And the fact that you're not doing 
prevention work because you've pulled the resources into the response area means that you actually see crime rising so whilst you may be being very effective in your responses and intervening and bringing more people to justice actually from the public's point of view the situation is getting worse and i think after a few years of, of seeing that happen that's where we were so it was quite a clear electoral message we need to swing that back and that's pretty much what we've done um, so there's been a big investment in local community policing and in crime prevention work over the last five years. We've effectively doubled the size of the community policing teams across the county. I think in Colchester that means an extra, um, yeah, probably much uh, 25 extra cops uh, in that space. Um, and we've put in place new town centre teams. Uh, we've put in place a rural crime team, which is there to coordinate the prevention activity in the more rural areas. We've put in place a business crime team, which is doing the same sort of job, working very closely with the Chamber of Commerce, uh, Chambers of Commerce and with the other business organisations and with individual businesses. Uh, so really trying to get ahead of that level of um, rising crime and it's actually been working pretty well so even before the the, the covid19 um, lockdown started which is pretty much a year ago now uh, we'd already seen a reduction in some key types of crime so burglary was falling theft was falling um, actually antisocial behavior was coming down quite nicely as well and had been for about three years because of that for that focus on local prevention work um, and the, the quarter before the COVID-19 lockdown was actually the first quarter uh, for, for a few years when we actually saw a reduction in overall crime and overall harm, which I thought was really good. Of course, COVID-19 has made life as difficult for burglars, uh, as difficult for criminals as it has for the rest of us. So actually crime is now down by about 11% across the county in the last year. Uh, but I'm not sure we can claim all the credit for that uh, from the investment in policing, but I think a chunk of it has to go to that. It's certainly been noticed, and, and locally, though, that investment and those additional police officers on the streets, uh, people have been commenting on, and certainly the town centre teams have made a huge difference with uh -huh. a more yes. visible police presence uh, in, in our town centres. I suppose one of the questions I've, uh, I've, I've always wondered about is, Essex, Essex is such a large county with so yes. many people, and you know Colchester is incredibly different to you know, Basildon or Thurrock, for example. So how do you sort of set priorities for the the whole county and what would you say are the big policing challenges that face not just the county but also local areas too? You're right I mean there has to be some lo local flexing um, so there, there are some things that are done centrally um, very centrally such as the, the investigation of, of major crimes uh, the serious crime directorate etc but equally well you know we have got uh, local policing areas uh, for, for the north for the west for the south and then it, it divided into 10 uh, district policing areas so there is a, an ability to focus very clearly on the needs of Colchester on the needs of tendering on the needs needs of, of Braintree and Uttlesford as well as on the needs of South End or Grays and Thurrock or uh, Canvey and Benfleet yeah so yeah th th that flexibility is very much in the hands of the local district commanders one of the things that I think we need to do going forward is actually give those districts the ability to put in place some um, problem solving policing sort of policing actually targeted 
at hotspots and known offenders and groups of known offenders um, in a way that they haven't quite had yet. So one of the big investments we're making next year is in some district policing area uh, disruptor teams. Uh, and they need to work very closely with the community safety partnerships, which as you probably know, I'm sure you, I'm sure you know, but whether, the, whether those who are listening know, um, are where the district uh, and borough authorities, the sort of local councils uh, and the emergency services sit together around a table and work out what the joint strategy needs to be uh, to, to bring crime and other antisocial behaviour, lack of public order, other particular problems together and solve them together. Uh, and I think to, to sort of give those teams the ability to tap into a resource where they can say, so this is a problem, this is what we need to solve, this is intelligence we have. We've actually got the, the community safety engagement officers we put in place this year now who can do that analysis and pull it together. We now need the appropriately sized hammer to crack that nut, which is one of the things that we'll be investing in next 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 year. I think, I mean, that, that, po that sort of positive message there about collaboration with local authorities and understanding local needs is brilliant. And certainly when, when I, I meet with our local district commander who's brilliant and gives us regular updates i can't help but think though when you when you hear about some of the in particular the sort of serious violence uh, that happens across our county and this is certainly recognized by the public there's all there's nearly always unfortunately a recurring theme underneath it uh, and that tends to be drugs and, mm -hmm. and i just I just want wonder sort of what your thoughts are on that and one of the things that i suppose really frustrates me is the number of recreational drug users that have uh, they, are, they either don't understand or don't care that actually what they're doing is in no way a victimless crime oh it, it's certainly not a victimless crime no they're, they're, they're feeding an industry which preys on young and vulnerable people across our county and indeed across the country so i, I think you, you're absolutely right i mean i was just talking about sort of the, the proactive teams that we're investing in to deal with local more neighborhood crime but the other big elements of crime that we really need to do more on and we did some really good work on that earlier on um in in in, in 2020 uh, and actually refreshed our police and crime plan on the back of it one is dealing with um drug-driven knife crime, so drug-driven violence, and the other is dealing with uh, domestic abuse and domestic violence. So both drug-driven violence and domestic violence each account for about a third of the homicides in the county. Um, and actually the, 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 the crime that goes with um, uh, local neighbourhood crime accounts for a chunk of the rest of it. So th those are the places where we really need to focus. And we're doing, I think, some really interesting stuff um, around drug-driven violence in the county now. So we've had some really good support from central government. Um, the, thank you very much for, for, for you and your colleagues uh, work on, on making sure that happened. And, and the Home Secretary, Billy Patel, has been very much behind this. So we've had funding for violence reduction um, put in place for quite a few of the of, of the of forces across the country of which Essex is, is one been getting just over a million pounds a year from them we've also been getting support from the county council actually to the to the tune of about half a million pounds a year and of course our own funds that we've been putting in and that's meant that we've been able to do some really exciting work around what's called the the public health approach to crime um, which 
doesn't mean just working with the health service. It means actually thinking of crime as an epidemic, a disease that can be prevented. Uh, so putting in place um, programs where we have really good activities for young people to do that keep them out of the grips of these um, evil drug gangs. Uh, and that can be from something which is very much directly within, within my ambit, like fire breaks, which is where the fire and rescue service uh, put on courses for kids who are probably sort of a bit troubled or on the edge, a bit vulnerable to being preyed on and put them through a fortnight's training on how to be a firefighter. You would be astonished how that opens the eyes of those kids to see that you can do something which is exciting, which is engaging, which is really you know, with a bunch of mates and which is really good for not just for you, but actually for the rest of your community. Uh, and it just, it really switches them on. It is a phenomenally successful program in, in terms of, of getting kids in, in, into doing good stuff. It sounds really exciting. And I think what's brilliant there is that it's, it's the police tackling the issue from both ends. So yeah. look, look, looking at those sort of vulnerable young people who are the targets of these sort of county line activities but at the same time working in collaboration with the metropolitan police and the yes. transport police to disrupt those county lines wherever possible and try and break those networks of these drug gangs that bring with them that violence and intimidation and the exploitation of kids to yeah. our county so that, absolutely. That, that's, that's absolutely brilliant work and, and of course then the, the third prong is working with the national crime agency to, to deal with yeah. to do what what's uh, Boris called chopping the head off the snake, uh, which has been phenomenally successful as well. So we've got government funding for the NCA to make that happen, government funding for Essex Police to, for the surge activity in Stop and Search, and for the Operation Scepter stuff where we've just been taking um, weapons and phones and rolling up county lines in collaboration with, with the Met, as you rightly said there. And then we've had funding for the Violence and Vulnerability Unit, which is trying to protect the kids on whom they be, on whom they'd be preying. And not just kids, but also, I mean, they prey on people with learning disabilities. You know, they, they'll, they'll pretend to be their friends and turn their, their flat into a drug den. It's appalling stuff. That's that's what they call cuckooing, isn't it? I think I've heard that's that. That's exactly phrase. right. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So um, if I can touch on COVID, because COVID over the, the past year or so has inevitably changed the, the nature of policing. And I have to say the police have just done an incredible job over the course of the past year under the, mo the most unbelievable pressure, um, keep, keeping us all safe. Um, but, but just conscious that there you know, must be some crimes that have been more difficult, so things like burglary, because so many more people are at home uh, in mm -hmm. the day, um, and also th you know, things th things like the sale of drugs, because people aren't out and about as much. Yep. Um, but but I'm just conscious at the same time that there may have been an increase in you know, other you know, quite terrible crimes too, like domestic violence potentially, uh, yeah. or or indeed we 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 hear a lot to sort of in our casework about far more. Um, I suppose things like uh, fraud and telephone scams and ID scams, and even you know, I've recently heard of constituents who have been getting um, scam emails to to pay for a COVID vaccine, which of course is completely untrue because oh. nobody has to pay for a COVID vaccine; it's free and available on the NHS. Um, but what work's being done in that area to to tackle some of those uh, fraudsters who target some really vulnerable people in their own homes? Yeah, well, I mean, you're absolutely right. And isn't, isn't it just unspeakable to be exploiting the, the COVID-19 oh, crisis by, Disgraceful. By, yeah, trying to take people's money off them for, for something which is absolutely part of the free service from the, from the, or from, from the NHS. Um, so we've been doing a lot of messaging, a lot of getting information out there. We've been using 
different channels, uh, less usual channels. So we've been working with, for instance, the Essex Association of, of uh, Local Councils, getting information out through parish councils. We've been working with the uh, Rural Communities uh, Council for, for Essex as well, helping, you know, working with them to get messaging out. Uh, as I said, working directly with businesses because businesses have been um, very much subject to cybercrime. Uh, but of course, you, you're quite right. They are areas where we, we just have to think that there's been stuff going on that we don't know about at the moment because it's been much tougher for people to report so in cybercrime and domestic abuse and in child sexual exploitation as well there's there will have been things happening there that we have not yet found out about because while people are effectively kept to their homes it's hard for them to get out and report so some of the stuff we've been doing for instance, has been finding new ways to allow people to report discreetly. So around domestic abuse, uh, there's the Ask for Annie campaign, which basically means that if you are a victim of domestic abuse, if you go shopping to your pharmacy, which of course is a legitimate reason for being out, um, it's, you know, a medical reason to, 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 to leave the home, uh, and you go, and if you ask for Annie, you are effectively telling them that you wish to be to to be put in front, in, in touch with a domestic abuse support service, and they they're trained to understand that and make that link happen. I think that's been an important thing to do. Of course, I the that, yeah, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 charities have been seeing quite an increase as well in the number of people coming to them. I think it's been difficult for people to actually get to the police. Um, but we 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 are really working very hard to to mean that people can report those crimes to the police, even in these difficult circumstances. And I think one of the things that, that worries me, Roger, is, you know, in particular around um, people who may have been the victim of a scam, uh, they, they shouldn't feel embarrassed about that, should they? Because actually no. these, these sort of scam artists are, uh, they are just incredibly smart in the way they operate and they hone their skill. Uh, and sometimes it's very difficult to spot uh, what what is a, a fake and a, and a scam? And you, know, you shouldn't be feel embarrassed. And the only way we're going to catch these people is if people do come forward. You're not going to be judged, are you? It's just a case of we need that information so we can track them down and make sure they don't prey on more vulnerable people. Having the intelligence is just so important. Reporting it online um, is is really a, a good way to go. And you and you're right, Will. There is absolutely no reason to be embarrassed. I mean, I've I've been there. Um, do you remember that one that was about TV licensing that came through? Yes, yes. And it was it was late on a Friday evening. It arrived with me, and it told 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 me that my direct debit had failed, uh, and that uh, I, I needed to go on and 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 make it good. And it, it looked so plausible. And I'd had a tiring week, and I thought I'll go on and do. You know, I'll do that now. You know, got got ten minutes, went on, clicked all the buttons, put in my my credit card to renew the direct debit, and then I thought, hang on. I pay that annually. <laughs> so I, I then left the website that I'd linked in through and went onto the proper TV licensing website and saw that my account was completely in order. And of course, I had to get onto the bank just in that, that very second and cancel my credit card. What, what, what a mug. But when you looked at it, the only difference was that in the web address, there was an X in a place that you wouldn't really notice. It was just such, all the typeface, all the logos, all the all the colours were absolutely spot on the TV licensing agency. But it was a scam. Now, thankfully, I didn't lose a penny because I, I 
you know, it, I just it just occurred to me as I was sort of clicking off. I thought, well, hang on, that was odd, and got on and get it sorted out. But I had to get a new credit card out of it. It was it was a pain in the neck for me and the bank. Um, but you know, if if someone like me who sees this stuff all the time can fall for something like that just because I'm a bit tired, yeah, yeah, anyone, I'm sure anyone can, because they did. Yeah, they won't see what, what I see. So please don't be embarrassed. You can always say, well, the, the police fire and crime commissioner fell for it. So, yeah, why should I be embarrassed? <laughs> and I suppose if in any doubt at all, just stop immediately. And yes. Get it, get it checked out first. Yeah, yeah. And so, so I mean, that leads me on to a really good question because we we all have a part to play in supporting the police. Uh, in, and what what do you think are some of the things that we can do as, as citizens to to help mitigate against the risk of being uh, the victim of, of crime. So I'm thinking about things like, you know, there are complex systems. You can get like burger alarms and CTTV and smart water and you know, mm-hmm. there are new, new doorbell systems that alert you the, the, when the, the, someone's yes, approaching, the, approaching the drive and things like that. Uh, do, do you think ring those... doorbell systems are very effective? Yeah. All, all of those are really good. Uh, and I really would rec- smart water would very much recommend it. Um, one very um, expensive crime at the moment is losing your car because of the new car entry systems. Um, so there is technology that the criminals can get hold of, which means they can read your remote entry signal, uh, which actually bounces off your vehicle when you approach it to see whether it's you and whether you want to open it. Uh, and then when you've gone away, they can take that signal, open your vehicle, uh, open your vehicle it will unlock the the uh, the the engine lock and they can drive away um to to avoid that please keep your card key lock for the car in one of those faraday bags um or in a tin which also helps but you know if if you if you leave those um sensitive keys out the 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 remote uh, locking keys out sort of somewhere near the front door they can be read all all the all the criminal has to do is walk up to your car it will send out the signal saying is it you your keys will respond to say no it's not me and they've got the signal and could drive your vehicle away so (laughs) it's really yeah we we need to get the manufacturers to change that but before they do we it would really help if people would just keep their their um remote locking devices Either in one of the Faraday bags, which you know, when when we're doing crime reduction forums, we offer them free and give them away. Um, I'm sure you can get them on the internet very easily, or just keep it in a biscuit tin. I've got something similar actually, which I think the police gave me, which means you put your debit card in it, and it stops people accessing your contactless payments whilst it's in your wallet. Exactly that. Exactly the same stuff. I suppose this is uh, this is sort of part of the way in which technology is going to help us. Uh, yes outsmart criminals but unfortunately criminals are always going to try and use technology to outsmart us too and and i suppose people will be really interested to hear what sort of technology the the police are now using because we 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 see now with the uh, camp the body worn cameras which i think are brilliant because they not only protect the public they protect the officer as well um and then you know also things you look at the the smartphones that they now have so they're able to access data on the go and some of the equipment in the cars which um which just look incredible. I'd be fascinated to know a bit more about some of the tech that's coming down the line. Uh, well, yeah, of course, the stuff you mentioned there has really made a huge difference. I mean, it's only, it's it's actually within, since I was elected, that we've actually rolled out those smartphones and meant that they can uh, 
get information and make reports you know they can actually make notes from on the on the on the road while they're out on patrol and that's effectively meaning that we've got pretty much an hour more per shift per officer available as time with the public now which is fantastic uh, we'll be rolling out more apps for those things um and that will mean they can do much more while they're out and about we want to get to the stage where they have effectively um kind of heat maps on those remote devices uh, they can see where hotspots are so yeah in the past they'd probably be driving down a main road if they've got this device they can be driving down a main road and see that there is um for instance a known sexual offender who needs to be visited on a regular basis uh, they're in the area they can pop around and visit and just make sure that uh, they know that they're still in touch with the authorities um, that sort of thing is where we need to get to I think uh, from the point of view of mobile and remote working and then there's other stuff as well which has really improved the way that people can report uh, so we now have a thing called the the single online home that's just a bit of a, a buzzword it basically means good standardized online reporting to the police um, so if you have been a victim of a, of a non-urgent crime i don't know if your if your shed's been turned over in the middle of the night and you get up in the morning and see you don't have to sit at home to report it you can actually do it from the train on the way into work when we all start going back to work again of course um <laughs> and, and do it from your smartphone those sorts of things we've got live chat on the essex police website now uh, between uh, 7 a.m 11 p.m uh, so if you want to report crime you can go onto the live chat and actually chat with someone um, in, in the way that actually many of us like to do via our smartphones uh, via our PCs that doesn't we haven't stopped doing the, the telephone stuff we've still very much got the 101 service but it has meant the 101 service has become an awful lot better um, so it used to have a wait time of around nearly half an hour on average uh, four years ago we're now down to around five minutes uh, which is which is quite a big improvement in terms of the accessibility of police by telephone but of course if it's a crime in progress if you're actually witnessing something bad happening right now dial 999 that is and always has been a good service and will get you a response to an emergency yeah i mean the the we still get some people who say say, say to us and it, it, it tends to be sort of older older generation that are more used to seeing uh, police officers walking around uh, in their residential streets and they say oh we, we don't see police officers walking uh, down our streets anymore but but given the amount of crime that is now less visible or is invisible um, what would you say in response to that because arguably you can say that could be a good thing because actually the police are either in vehicles or behind the scenes proactively tackling crime and being able to be more responsive to crime is probably more valuable to them than actually just seeing an officer walking in their residential streets uh, well certainly burglars are a lot more mobile than they used to be uh, criminals are a lot more mobile than they used to be and i think the police need to be able to keep up with them so i think the days of pedestrian policing are um yeah, apart from in town centers where i think it, it can be good in terms of, of uh dealing with uh, town center theft you know, yeah the, the visibility of the town yeah. centers that, just that, made that a huge difference. Difference. but in residential areas it you'd just be outpaced by the by the criminal and there was actually some really interesting work done uh, by criminology academics back in the 1970s and early 80s which just showed that that random foot patrol um and 
reactive rapid response and the reactive investigations that went with it. Whilst they, they bring criminals to justice, they don't actually do anything to reduce crime. The, the stuff that we need to be doing to reduce crime is targeted patrol using modern technology to have these heat maps and understand where there are crime hotspots, where there are repeat offenders, where there are groups of repeat offenders, you know, how do we manage those known offenders, how do we plan our interventions and get there and deal with it before it happens. And as I said before, working very much in partnership with other authorities who can be supporting the people that these criminals will, will, will prey on. So stopping people becoming re repeat victims as well. And I, I guess that's this what is why, really works. <laughs> Roger, this must be why it's so important that people do report crime and report where oh, they so see much. things that are suspicious. So it can be mapped and then the police can put that onto their patrol. That's something that is, to look out for really really important for us with the policing approach we have these days but to be honest with you it's always been important i mean my my, my father was in the in, in the police service for uh, i think 37 years in total and i remember him saying to me back in the 1970s yeah if you if you were in contact with the community if you knew who was who and who did what you would know who had done a crime the the question was simply getting to them before they disposed of the goods or whatever it was the intelligence has always played such a key role in stopping crime happening and dealing with it promptly when it does got to ask you about covid because obviously it's been such a big feature of the course of the past year and and will be for the next few weeks and months although we've got a clear uh, roadmap out and light at yes, the end it doesn't of the feel thank, much better thank god this vaccine rollout is going so well but how um, has COVID-19 impacted the way Essex police uh, have worked? It, I mean, it must have been incredibly challenging with these fast-paced uh, changing regulations, uh, taking the public with them, you know, taking the, the ease approach, if, if you like, in terms of engaging yeah. and yeah. Uh, edu educating, enforcing, etc. Um, that must have produced some new challenges for the police force that are never before seen. Lots of lots of different and new ways of working. Um, so, yeah, as you rightly say, new regulations coming out. We get an announcement. We then get the detail of the regulations. I mean, the number of, of weekends that I've spent uh, poring over the, the 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 new regs and and poring over the way that they are being interpreted and what the new guidance for the cops is going to be. What's guidance? What's the law? Yeah, that's quite an interesting challenge for policing because. Clearly, we want people to change their behaviours, but some things are things that we're asking them to do, and some things we're saying, if you do those, you're breaking the law. And the police need to be able to understand that themselves. Uh, you know, the, 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 the two metre distancing is guidance. The not leaving your home unless you have one of the defined reasons to do so is, is an offence. Uh, so yeah, they, they have there have to be different approaches to that. But I think you're absolutely right that the the approach of first of all engaging, then explaining, then encouraging compliance, and only then enforcing if necessary. So as you said, the four E's, that's been really successful. Uh, and I think you can just see how successful if you look at the the, the totals up until the end of January from the beginning of the of, of, the, of the crisis, we've had about thirty six thousand incidents where the police have needed to engage with somebody. Now, that in itself, if you compare it with our population of 1.8 million, isn't actually that big a number, but obviously it, it's, 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 it's a 
it's a lot of activity, um, but that's resulted in less than a thousand fixed penalty notices uh, and only about 50 arrests. So the vast majority of people, and we probably ought, we, we ought to take this opportunity will to say thank you to everybody, the vast majority of people, when, when they've been told they're doing something wrong, have gone, oh, sorry, yes, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, my mistake, I'll go home now. Um, and only a few have been intransigent and not wanting to take the well-being of their of their fellow residents uh, to heart, and then had to actually have the exercise of the law put on them. Uh, oh, I so, completely echo yeah. that, Roger. And I think that the police have just done the most incredible job under the most trying of circumstances. And I, I, I know that uh, everyone I speak to is incredibly grateful. Now, I'm conscious of your, your time. You've been incredibly generous. I've just got a couple more questions for you because we, Go we've got that big pledge of recruiting 20,000 additional officers. Yes. So we're going to see lots more police on our streets. And I know you're playing a big part in that in uh, Essex. But what, what would you say to somebody who is thinking about joining the police? Oh, please. Um, yeah, go online, pull off the, the form and, and, and sign up. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm not a policeman myself. Um, but as I said, my, my father was for 37 years. I don't think there was a day when I wasn't proud of what he did. Um, yeah, he, he went out there and helped his community on a daily basis. And talking to, since I've since I've had this role, being in contact with police officers, with police staff, they're such a can do crowd. They, it is something where you are part of a family of like-minded people, mutually supportive, and you're doing something where you can see the benefit. So, you know, please, we, we, we do need people to join up. We need people really from all walks of life, from all backgrounds, from you know, all groups of society, ethnicity, whatever it may be. And indeed, of course, uh, we do need uh, all genders so please do do come forward we are recruiting now we've done a lot so yeah, over the last um, five years we've now recruited uh, we've added, added over 500 extra officers to Essex Police but we have more to do as part of uh, to complete the 20,000 uplift program we'll need another 300 I think we've got a budget for another 184 next year so please Come and join us. And and if you don't want to do it full time, we're also recruiting for the special constabulary. Uh, so if you've if you can commit four hours a week uh, as as a volunteer, that's very welcome as well. That's brilliant. And I know there'll be lots of people who have got full time jobs elsewhere, but want to do their part, want to to absolutely um, enter into some public service. And uh, being a special constable sounds like a brilliant way of of doing that. Last question for you, and I'm just conscious again, just repeating that that we all have a part to play in this. I suppose final question: How how can we as the public help you and Essex Police better serve our communities? So I, I really think it is by reporting whatever you see. Um, you know, we have the extra eyes campaign on the roads, which is taking people's dash cams. All the information that comes to the police is really useful. CCTV stuff is as well. Leaning in and supporting what the police are doing Please don't expect every small thing to get a response, but please be aware that every small thing makes a difference to the intelligence base and makes a difference to those problem-solving activities I was talking about before, based on intelligence, getting out there and, and dealing with stuff. And the reality is we, we have a police service in this country which actually is, it is still the envy of the world. We, we police by consent we have a great relationship between the police and the public 
And that's really what makes life so tough for criminals. The fact that yeah, the vast majority, the, the, the huge number of, of, of people in this county are very much law abiding and want to see their they want they want to live in a safe community where they can thrive and where their children and families can thrive and everyone does their bit to do that roger that's a, a brilliant positive message to end on uh, thank you very much thank you for everything you're doing i wish you, you every success in the forthcoming uh, elections and i really appreciate thanks. your time but before you go i've just got to say please please pass on our sincere thanks to all those within the essex police community that are working so hard to keep us all safe thank you i certainly shall thank you very much for your time this afternoon really appreciate the opportunity